we're in the third week of this, this parenting series. Um, in the first week, uh, we said that even if you're not, not a parent yet, uh, there are lessons for you to learn in this, this parenting series um, uh, in, in each week. Some of us have, uh, we've, already, we've already got, you never stop being a, a parent, I guess, right? But, um, uh, but my kids are no longer in the house. Ryan came home for a fall break. I never had a fall break when I was in college. Uh, you went to college, and then your fall break was when you came home for Thanksgiving, and then you had to go back for those stupid three weeks, right, of finals. Uh, Ryan's college started at the first week of August so that when they come home for Thanksgiving, they get to stay all the way through Christmas. Right? That's flipping genius right there. That's amazing because that's long enough for him to actually get his butt out of the house and get a freaking job. That's what that is. So like, earn, baby, earn. That's what he's got to be doing for those two months that he's home. But he, he went back yesterday, went, went back to college. Uh, but, you, but, you, but you never start. And, and some of us, you know, we hope to be parents someday. Some of you guys are teenagers and being a parent is the last thing on your mind. Uh, but someday you think, yeah, probably maybe someday I'll, I'll have kids or whatever. And so in the first week we said uh, there's, a prior, there's two, prior, two priorities for every parent. Uh, and truthfully, I, I think even if you're not a parent, you can work on these. The first one is that you, are, you, are, you, 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 you lead yourself to, to follow God. Like you prioritize God in your life. Uh, we don't wait until, somehow I think that we, we feel that when we become a parent, all of a sudden we're going to become mature, right? Uh, by the way, I don't know if you're ever ready to become a parent. It just happens, right? And then you're like, dang it, you just got to put on your big boy boots and, and you know, get your stuff together. Uh, or, or you don't, because the same person you are before you have kids is still the same person you are after these kids show up. Uh, you don't like leave the hospital with this baby and they give you like a grown-up hat to put on. Um, like, like we feel like we're going to be like a lot more mature by the time we have kids, but you're the, you're the same Call of Duty junkie after you had babies as you were before you had babies, it's true. So you bring all of these habits into parenthood. You do. So and, and if you're not comfortable with the things that are a part of your life now, uh, excuse me, for then, then you got to take care of this now. And the second thing is like we, 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 we prioritize God, our relationship with God, and then we lead our families well. Uh, and, and now if you're not, you're not a parent, you don't have like, like the title of boss over another human being uh, that you and their other parent created, um, you have influence and, and you could be le leveraging, learning to leverage your influence in a positive way in the relationships that you have now. And all of these things are muscles that you're exercising so that when you have kids, you're already good at conflict resolution. You're already good at developing relationships and putting the needs of other people above your own. I think a lot of times parents are really selfish because before they were parents, they were very selfish. You know what I mean? Like they never learned to put the needs of other people above their own. So that's something that all of us could be working on uh, right now. Last week, in the second week of this series, uh, we said uh, that every child should receive at least three things from their parents. One is an appropriate affirming touches. Uh, your kids need to know that you love them and you need to hug them and, and, and kiss them. And like I said, uh, like each one of our kids, I would, you know, they're little babies and you can palm their bodies like a basketball. You know what I'm saying? But you don't actually do that. You'd have to squeeze too hard. Like, but like the thought goes in your head, I could palm them, right? Um, and, and, and have you ever like hugged a baby? Like, so have you ever hugged a baby? Hopefully, you, no, never hug a baby. Babies are gross. Um, when when uh, Ryan was born, Garrett was seven. And I remember him holding him for the first time, and he says, I love him so much, I want to squeeze him and hurt him. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> but I knew exactly what he meant. You see, baby's like, 
right? It's like a puppy. Except like puppies and humans, by the way, are not the same thing. And I know some of you guys are puppy parents. That's just weird. Can we, can you say in the name of Jesus, stop that? Can we do that? Right? My wife says, Roxy is my baby. I was like, Roxy is not my baby. Okay, she's a little bit my baby. But I, I still, she doesn't matter. Anyway, they're not the same. They're not the same thing at all. But we said they need a, a appropriate affirming touches. They need an encouraging word. They need encouraging talk. And they need abundant time. Uh, that's what they need. I've, and I think sometimes we prioritize everything else. And we say, well, yeah, but it's quality time. No, your kids, they, I don't know if a six-year-old can differentiate between quality time and quantity time. They just want to be around you. You know, you know what I mean? It, it is about abundant time, giving them more time. And dads, dads, listen, I, my wife and I were on WIC when our first uh, two kids were born. Um, and because my wife, we, we made some tough financial decisions. We weren't on it for any longer than two years because I started a side hustle doing landscaping. After I had a master's degree, I was cutting grass just to provide for my family. It's, it's, it's what you do. Um, um, uh, what was I going to say? Daggone it. Uh, but you, I had something to say about that. I started remembering how bad I hated cutting grass, but how badly I wanted my wife not to have to be pulling out stamps every time she was buying groceries. Uh, but, oh, uh, you, 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 you just do whatever you got to do to do what's right by your kids. And, and for us, it was whatever we could do so that my wife and I could spend the most time, most time with them. And, and I know in a city like Boston, you almost have to have two, two salaries, right, to, to make it. And, man, that, that puts us in a really difficult Puts us in a really difficult position. Somehow find a way to spend it. Oh, I'm, here's what I was going to say. Uh, I would rather make less money and have more time with my kids than make mo more money and my kids grow up as strangers in my home. You know what I mean? So don't sacrifice your children on the altar of success. I, I think would be a good takeaway from last weekend. Uh, but but I, I, I think that whether you're an auntie or an uncle, uh, these, are, these are great things for you to do also. You, you could be the auntie that's always encouraging them. You could be an auntie. Oh, I was going to tell you about the kids when they were babies. I put my hand on their tummy. Uh, then obviously as my daughter got older, um, I, you know, I wasn't putting my hand on her, on her tummy because I didn't, I, you know, she, enough, enough said. Can I just move on from there? <laughs> well, we're adults, right? So er, early on, like earlier for her, I started moving my hand to her shoulder and then, you know, the top of her head when she's a little girl praying over and that kind of stuff. So, uh, but, but they, all of my kids are very comfortable with physical affection in our home um, because I, I, I didn't want them to seek that physical affection outside of our home. You know what I'm saying? So that's, I wanted to make sure that my, my, kids, my kids, so there's, there's lots of lessons in that for whether you're uh, a parent or not. This weekend, uh, I'm on video in all locations because nobody wanted to talk about today, including me. Uh, and after doing the talk, last night I talked to one of our executive pastors, and I said, what do you think? And he goes, I think that is probably one of the most difficult subjects you've ever talked about. Um, and it's discipline. Uh, we're talking about parents disciplining their children. And in me just mentioning that, for some of you guys, your heart just went, right? It just got like tied up in knots. And um, there's like a little bit like, for some of you, honestly, even mentioning the word makes your heart race and your blood pressure goes, goes up a little bit because uh, this was one of the most unhealthy parts of your childhood. Um, and, uh, and, and sadly, even if you're raised in a Christian home, sometimes uh, parents have been guilty, some parents have been guilty of using Bible verses to physically abuse their kids. 
and uh, that, that, that's some of us, right? And um, others of us, the lesson that we learned was not to not lie. The lesson was, we learned was just don't make dad angry. That was the lesson that we learned, or don't make mom angry. And some of us, even now as adults, I mean, you might even be a grandparent, and you still deal with certain insecurities because of the way your parents treated you as a kid whenever they were angry. I'm going to use, so I only mention that not to make you feel incredibly uncomfortable. Thank you for bringing all of that crap up, Pastor Sean, right? Um, but to acknowledge the difficulty of the subject. And I'm going to use personal examples today. And in using my personal examples, my intention is just to give context, like a here, here's what I mean kind of a, a thing is what I'm trying to do with the examples. But I may bring up examples that make you uncomfortable. And I, that is not my intention at all. But if I say something that makes you uncomfortable from personal experience, I'm asking you, somebody needs, that's a really loud hearing aid somebody needs to turn down. If that was a fire alarm, just so you guys know, it would be going off in here. We'd have the strobe. So I, I don't know what that is. But um, there we go. Somebody turned down your hearing aid. There you go. Thank you very much. Um, I, that did make me wonder for a second, but I, I bring all of that up to ask you to try to separate the wheat from the chaff, uh, to pick the bones, or to pick the meat and throw back the bones. Do you understand the metaphor, right? Uh, to be a bone picker in the, in the teaching. So if something gets caught sideways in your throat, that's a bone, pull that out and throw it out. And I want you to focus on the scriptures because I think the Bible has a lot to say about healthy uh, uh, discipline. Uh, from parents to children. The example that God gives us is his relationship with us. So if you're not a parent, uh, then you're, we're going to read scriptures that God has given to us about what it looks like to be a healthy and godly parent. Uh, and then God uses himself as the example. So I think one of the things that you can learn from today's teaching is the kind of relationship that God ha intends to have with you and what you can expect from God when you misbehave in your life, right? So I, I think this can be, be helpful for, for all of us. That's my, inten my intention, at least. If you ask three different friends what they think is appropriate for disciplining your children, how many different answers are you going to get? If you ask five different friends what they think about appropriate parent discipline, how many answers are you going to get? Right. And if you ask them all in the same room, what are you going to get? A fist fight. That's what you're going to get. Right? <laughs> so what I really want you to do is not necessarily focus on how my dad did it, right? Or how I did it for my three kids. What I really want you to focus on uh, is, is, is what the Bible has to say of, about it. That's what I want you to do. Now, I am going to start with, with how I was, I was raised and how my mom and dad handled discipline. Um, I, 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 was, I was spanked as a kid. A lot of us were spanked as a kid. But but I was not beat. Uh, I was spanked, but I was not beat. I was spanked, but I was never hit. Uh, I was, was never hit. And for some of you guys, that's, that's, a, that's an oxymoron because you can't imagine how somebody could be spanked and it not be abusive. You, you can't imagine it. Um, my dad would um, bring up something like this that had nails driven through it, and that's... I'm just kidding. He didn't. I got spanked with this is what I got spanked with. And... Um, uh, n never anywhere else but on the rear, and it was just a, right? It was, it was, it was, the, the, the goal wasn't pain. Uh, the goal was, uh, was behavior modification. <laughs> That's what the goal was. The, the goal was that I experienced something unpleasant uh, in response to a decision that was unpleasant. 
uh, I was taught that there was uh, negative consequences for bad behavior. Uh, by the way, that's a good lesson for all human beings in this world to learn, that there are negative consequences for bad behavior. And I'll say this, parents, if you don't discipline your children when they're in the home, the world will discipline them once they leave the home. Who do you think is going to do it more appropriately? Are you with me? Like, I'm pr I promise you, the behavior you're putting up with, nobody else is going to put up with. And the world is going to set your kids straight, right? And how hard they get slapped in the face by the world when they leave your home is dependent <laughs> on whether or not you are willing to discipline them as children. And here's what I want to say for discipline. Can I, let's come up with a healthy definition of discipline. Discipline, biblically, we're going to see this in just a second, is correction driven by love. That's what discipline is. Discipline isn't necessarily a spanking. Discipline isn't necessarily a timeout. Discipline isn't necessarily a talking to. Discipline is simply correcting your children from a healthy place of love. That's what discipline is. It's correction driven by love. If that was the only thing you get today, uh, and some of us, we, we, it was very abusive because the, the discipline wasn't, direct, wasn't correction driven by love. It was driven by anger, and we're going to get to that in, in a minute. That's why, that's why it was so unhealthy, and that, that's why, honestly, uh, it, was, it was abusive in your context. Let me explain uh, how I was spanked but never beat. I was spanked but never hit. Um, if I did something really bad, um, I, I didn't get spanked every time I did something bad, and my kids didn't get spanked every time they did something bad. Uh, sometimes, like especially with Lauren, um, Lauren, she's, man, she's the softy. Uh, you can look at Lauren, you can just go like this, right? Just raise that one eyebrow like that, and then Lauren would like, she'd start to cry. Like that would, that would break her right there. I'm like, holy crap, she would never have survived my childhood, right? Uh, anybody have a mom that used to sit in the choir behind the preacher and she'd catch you talking in the pew and she wouldn't be listening to the preacher at all? She's just looking daggers into your soul. Anybody have a mama like that? Oh my gosh, and you're like, oh crap, I'm going to die today. Because <laughs> mama's looking at you from the choir loft. Uh, but, but occasionally I would do something really bad. Like, let, let's just say for the sake of this illustration that I stabbed my, just kidding. Um, my brother deserved it. No, I'm just kidding. Let's say I, I, I hit my brother. So my dad would say, Sean, go to your room. And crap, I knew what that meant. I knew what that meant is, I was getting a spanking. So I'd go in my room and I'd sit on the door. I, I wouldn't close my door all the way because I wanted to see dad coming before he walked in. So I'd like leave the door cracked, I'd sit on my bed, and sometimes I'd sit there for, sometimes he'd follow me in the room, sometimes I'd be in there for five minutes, sometimes I felt like I was in there for two hours. And I found out later on that the time uh, between me going into my room and when my dad walked into my room had nothing to do with me, it had everything to do with my dad getting a hold of himself. My dad never disciplined me in anger, uh, not, not one time. Oh, no, I can't say that, uh, because the one time my dad disciplined me in anger, I actually don't remember the discipline. I don't. But the reason why I remember it, it was in 1977. We're at the corner of Champaign Road in Allen Park, Michigan. I lived on Winona Drive. It dead-ended into Champaign Road. Right there is Allen Park High School. If you turn right, on the left is Champaign Park. There's a red light right there. If you turn left at the red light, you go around the Champaign Park, which is on the corner. It had the hot metal curly Q slide that would peel off all of your skin if you slid on that in shorts in the summer. But just past that on the left-hand side is the baseball field. On the right-hand side is Ace Hardware. I remember we were on that road going that way in front of Ace Hardware when we had this conversation. I remember that conversation from 44 years ago. And, uh, 
And I remember the conversation because I looked up at my dad. It was, an L, it was a brown Lincoln, is Lincoln LTD. Is that who made the LTD? Which is a, a boat on wheels is what that was. Holy crap. That boat, that car was like 40 feet long. It was gigantic. Like, I don't know if it would fit in this auditorium. That's how big the car was from my memory. By the way, we used to sleep in the back window on long road trips. And I think it was a dub, like it might have been a twin bed up in that back window. <laughs> Like, that's how big those back. And then if you were bad, you had to sleep on the hump. And then, like, you had to sleep on your back because your knees would bend right there where the drive shaft was. Does anybody feel me on this? Any, anybody? Oh, okay, these are the people who are 50 and over. Thank you. Um, anyway, uh, and my, I looked up at my dad, and he was crying. And I said, Dad, why are you crying? And he said, because I did something wrong. And I remember this was the first time I was like, I didn't know my dad was capable of doing things that were wrong. And for some of you guys, like, I knew from early childhood that my dad never did anything right. So we had different childhoods, and I, I, I'm acknowledging that. Um, and my dad is, is crying. And I said, um, what, what did you do? And he said, uh, do you remember when I spanked you last night? And I, I don't now, but I'm sure, I, yes, I remember the spanking I got last night. And he said, I spanked you in anger, and that was a sin, and I need you to forgive me. And that's why my dad was crying. My dad apologizing to me as a second grader. Do you think I lost respect for him or gained respect for him? Heck yeah. I'm, I'm 51. I, I still remember that. I can tell, I could take you today, like if you gave me Google Maps, I could show that is where my dad apologized to me. So I know he spanked me in anger once, just once. I, and, and by God's grace, I don't know that I've ever spanked any of my kids in anger. I don't, I don't think I ever did. And, and that isn't any nobility on my part is I was handed a beautiful thing, so it made it easier for me to hand that beautiful thing to my children. Uh, some of us, uh, we weren't raised by healthy, healthy people at all, and we're concerned that because we weren't given this, we won't have anything healthy to hand our kids, which is the reason why God, I think God gave us parents so that we could wrap our head around what he intends to have with us. And then knowing how broken parents would be, God spells out the nature of his relationship to us as our Father who art in heaven, who, who loves us and who forgives us and gives us grace, but who also disciplines us. And so my dad would come in, and uh, he would usually knock on the door, not because he was waiting on me to say come in, because it's not like I could have said, don't come in, and he would have said, okay, no spanking today. He would knock, and then he, he would walk in, and he'd come sit on the bed next to me. And um, he would say, uh, hey, bud, uh, do, you, do you know that I love you? And I would say, yes because I didn't want to get a second spanking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I knew my dad loved me, and he would say, do you know what you did wrong? Yes, what did you do wrong? I hit Brian. Do you know why that was bad? Well, Brian did this, this, and this, and this, and this. And he would say, but that doesn't justify you doing that. And then my dad would say something like, what should you have done when Brian did that? What should you have done? And so he's, there's discipline with instruction, right? And then he would say, and you know the Bible says, that there are negative consequences for bad behavior, that sin has to be paid for. You know that, right? Now, I wish I had like, known what I know now, because then I could have said, but Jesus paid for all of our sin. And <laughs> mic drop, boom. <laughs> right? <laughs> what would my dad have done if his seven-year-old busted that out on him, right? That would have been freaking amazing. And some of you parents got a little kid in here. You're covering their ears really quick so they don't hear that one. And then, and then and I would say, but I don't want a spanking. And he would say, and I don't like giving spankings. What's the best way to make sure that you'll never, ever, 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 ever get a spanking again for hitting Brian? I'd say, don't hit. I mean, I, I, was, I was seven, but I wasn't stupid, right? So 
don't hit Brian anymore? He said, yes. Do you realize that if you don't hit your brother anymore, you will never, ever again, ever get in trouble for hitting him? And I'm like, oh, my word, I need to write that down. That's genius. And he'd say, now turn around and bend over, which was always a slow thing. It's not like I was like, okay, right? <laughs> uh, that was, I just did that really weird. <laughs> so I'd bend over, right? And then I would, he, and, and honestly, it was just a, and the goal wasn't pain. It was just to make sure that like, and I, I just, it didn't matter how hard it was. I just never liked it, right? Like nobody likes that. And, and then, you know, and, and often though, it, you know, because that stings, Right? Um, and so often I, I would cry, and then so I would turn back around and sit on the bed, and he'd, he'd still be sitting next to me. And then, uh, you know how you're crying, you're like, <laughs> and then you get that really big one. <laughs> uh, you guys remember this, apparently? You, you got a spanking from my dad, too, I see. Um, and then he'd put his arm around me, and he'd say, buddy, do I love you? And I'd say, I'd say yes. And he'd say, are you ready to get up? Yeah. Are you, are you going to hit your brother anymore? No. No. All right. You ready to go downstairs? Yes, sir. And then we'd get up, and it would be all done. Like, he'd never bring it up again, and my sin was gone. It was paid for. Like, I'd, seriously, I'd, I could go on the rest of the night and had fun as though it never happened because I didn't bring the trauma of any emotional fight or anything horrible that he had said to me. There's nothing that like stuck in my head for the rest of the day or the rest of the night. I, I knew, and I, but but because that 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 was consistent, I I knew uh, my dad was not irrational. So I knew that if I misbehaved, I knew exactly what was going to happen. My dad spanked me the same time every way, uh, every time, and and I did the same thing with my children. And and my children, they they were spanked, but I think they would tell you, Garrett's 26, Lauren's 23, and Ryan's 18. He's a freshman in college. I think they would say, yeah, I got spankings, but I was never beat. I got spankings, but I was, I was never hit. I've never reached out to put my hand on one of the kids and them flinch because they, I, I never used, like, like you don't, like, like, if there's a spanking coming, bro, it's premeditated. They know it's coming. Like, they're never surprised by, by a spanking, and, and they would have never said they didn't deserve it. Uh, either. And by deserve it, I'm not saying like, like, I'm not trying to punish them. That's not the goal. It's I'm trying to correct them. If my kids are going, if this is the path of healthy adulthood, right, um, and godly living, um, my kids go this direction. Discipline is just whatever it takes to get your kid from here to here. So in our family, it was, it was a spanking. And, and there's, for me, I felt like there was an advantage in that. Uh, and that the lesson that I learned was that there's a negative consequence for bad behavior. If you do timeouts, that's great. Do timeouts. Uh, my encouragement to you, though, is not do a timeout somewhere else because I would hate for your kid, the lesson to learn is that when I make mommy or daddy mad, they don't want to be around me anymore. I don't want that to be the lesson either. That they can't, like, I reject you as a human being. Like, you need to leave. Like, whenever, no, I want my, like, you are loved. Like, whether you do good or bad. So if you do the timeout thing, that's fine. But don't make sure, however you do the timeout thing, that they're learning the, that that's the negative consequence for their bad behavior, not that you have to remove yourself from other people that love you. Like I, and, and I'm just saying, there's, like you're going to say, if you, if you do, that, and one of the things we're going to get to is be on the same page with, with uh, the, your child's other, other, other parent when, when, when you get to discipline. But how you discipline is not the thing. Um, and that's, that's, I don't want that, that's my story, and I think we did it in a healthy biblical way. The Bible does talk a lot about spanking your children, 
uh, but it's always done in, in love. And there's also Bible verses we're going to look at today uh, where it says, fathers, uh, don't, don't let sin control you. Don't provoke your kid to anger. And dad, we, especially in the way we as dads treat our children, we, we set the thermostat of their heart. And you need to be very careful when you touch that dial, right? Like you got to be very, very careful with that. So However you do it, be very thoughtful, and, and we're going to get to what the rest of the Bible has to say about it. Uh, but Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 6 says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as his children when he said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when God corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those, what are the next two words? Who does God discipline? Those that he loves. That's what discipline is. It's correction driven from a, from, a heart of, from a heart of love. And some of you guys already know this. As, as dads, you saw your kid the very first time throw a baseball like that, and you're like, oh, no, that's not happening. And you went out there, and you corrected your child, and you, you said, like Cal Ripken DVDs, right, on coaching your kids, that pretend there's a you know, string connected from your glove to your, to your foot on that side, and, and when you throw, you, you point with your glove hand, right? And then when you point, you step. And then you're, and it goes like this, right? Like, like this is like this. This is what you do when you throw, right? You just, you go like that. That's what you do when you throw. And so you're going to teach your kid to throw, right? And then like when you teach them to do that, then you tell them, you pull back your glove hand as you bring your elbow forward first, and then you, you step, right? Like that's, like you, and, and I only know that I sucked at baseball, but Cal Ripken is awesome, and his DVD was 20 bucks. So that's how, right? So you're going to teach your kid how to do that. You, you, you discipline your kid or correct them when they're, when they're eight years old and still riding a bike with training wheels. You come out, and you take those training wheels off. And then, you know, they're wanting to keep their feet on the ground the whole time. And you're like, no, keep your feet on the pedal. Push, push. No, put your, like, you're correcting your children. And, and my concern is that we're more interested in correcting our children when it comes to their education and sports than we are when it comes to their character. Right? Like you pay more attention to your kids' ball handling skills than the way they talk to their mother. Some of us. Okay, it just got really quiet in church, so maybe I need to talk about this some more. Or maybe you're like, no, please don't. Keep moving, preacher. Now you're meddling. Uh, but, and, you, and you force your kids to say please and thank you. All of these are just, that's discipline. It's correcting. But the correction is coming from a place of love because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Hebrews 12 goes on to say, what child is there who has a loving father that doesn't discipline them? That's the oxymoron, right? And then, he, and then the spiritual application is if you call yourself a Christian but you can sin and God doesn't discipline you, then it's because you're not really God's kid because God disciplines those he loves. Actually, it's in the verses right before that. Hebrews goes on to say, whoever has, who's ever had a kid with a loving heart, excuse me, with a loving dad, that wasn't disciplined. And Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. That's in the Bible, that discipline is unpleasant. You guys didn't even know that was a Bible verse. Like, I hate being disciplined. Anybody else, raise your hand, right? Now, an adult, as adults, we're disciplined. We're just written up. That's discipline, right? Your pay is docked. That's discipline. Your, your wages were garnished. That's discipline, Right? Every, like, discipline never, we are disciplined all the time, and none of it is pleasant while it is happening. Uh, it's painful, it goes on to say, but afterward, there'll be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained this way. And that's by personal experience. Uh, from my, as a, as a child, when I, when I behaved badly, 
My, my dad would lovingly discipline me to correct my behavior. And afterward, for the rest of the evening, there was a harvest of rightful living <laughs> and peace. Like as a, as a parent, as a, as a child, by the way, it, I didn't have this anxiety of how my parents are going to respond to my bad behavior. They weren't erratic. We're going to get to that in a minute. That's, that's a sign of unhealthy parenting. My, my parents were very predictable when it came to what I was, how I was disciplined. And that actually brought a sense of stability to me as a kid. Like, I, I knew where the boundaries were and what the consequences were for crossing those boundaries. And they were the same every time. So that actually brought a measure of self-control into my life as a kid that's benefited me as an adult. And by God's grace, because of what I was given, not because of anything I am, um, but because I wanted to hand off what I, what I was given, if you know my kids, by God's grace, and because of God calling them and their choice to turn from sin and begin following Jesus, God's Holy Spirit is in them also. By God's grace, I'm, I'm thankful that <laughs> that I didn't ruin them. Um, but here's a guiding principle for discipline. Discipline isn't something you do to your children. It's something you do for your children. And again, that's another nugget that if that's all you got today, that's worth, your, that's worth the time. Don't think of discipline as something you do to your children. Like, what, what the heck? Like, you're the, emotion, you're the adult. Like, sometimes you discipline your kid because they embarrassed you. That's inappropriate. If you're disciplining your kid because of something that they made you feel about yourself... Ah, you're, that, that's borderline abusive. Like, you're the adult here. You never discipline your kid because of what they did to you. What the heck? You don't need to pay them back. Like, you're an adult. They're a child. This isn't about retribution. That's not what this is about. What this is about is I need my kids to learn that there are negative consequences for bad behavior when they're six, right? So that when they're 16, they're not beat up after school for being a jerk to everybody. Like, I, I, I want good character in my kids, so discipline is something I do for them, not to them. So if your form of discipline is for you to cleanse whatever crappy emotions they just brought up in your heart, you ain't ready to discipline. Maybe you're not the parent who should be doing it. Right? Because that's, that's not coming from a good, good place at all. Uh, there's a philosopher who's alive today, but sometimes he gets politically involved, so I'm not going to give you his name. Uh, but he said something really good. He said, when it comes to what we discipline our kid for, he says, discipline your kid for anything that makes you not like them. Isn't that good? Like, your kids have done some stuff, and you're like, I don't... Now, I'm, if you're a teenager in here, you're, like, shocked right now. Your parents always love you, but we don't always like you. <laughs> so if your kids are doing something that you're like, ah, I cannot stand them right now, don't let them do that right now. What the heck? Right? Like, if you see other kids doing something, you're like, I don't like those kids. Why? Because they're doing the exact same stuff your kids are doing? Right? So if you're seeing your kids doing something that makes you not like them, that's a good sign that you, 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 you need to step in with discipline. And remember, discipline isn't punitive. It's corrective, and it's driven from a heart of love. And the principle behind this is discipline is something I do for my kid, not something I do to my kid. Proverbs 19.18 says, discipline your children. This is a good verse. Discipline your children while there is hope right? Before their character is set in concrete. Discipline your children while there is hope. Look at that last part. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Wow. Like, my generation was the first generation whose parents started reading the books by Dr. Spock, not Dr. Spock, the other Dr. Spock, who said not to ever spank your children. And we think that his, that probably came from a healthy place because maybe he had experienced or seen a lot of abuse when it comes to discipline. 
And so in that, the spirit behind it, I think, is appropriate. But what ended up happening is people stopped correcting their children altogether. Then, so my generation, half of us weren't corrected. And then my generation, over half of us, did not correct. If, if spanking, if appropriate, healthy, corporal punishment wasn't effective, then each generation that does it less should produce a generation of healthier, more well-adjusted adults. And I don't think that that's what we've seen in the world. So what we're doing right now isn't working either, right? Uh, but discipline your children. Remember, discipline is not, it's not the form. That's not what I, I don't want you to focus on the form. It's correction, right? It's correcting bad behavior, and it's correction from a heart of love. Uh, some of us have an unfair advantage. I have an unfair advantage. I think I'm in the minority. Uh, I talked with, a, there are three or four people that help us do the, so all the other locations are getting a pre-recorded sermon from Thursday. We, whoever's preaching on the weekend records on Thursday, so that, that goes online and goes to a couple of our locations are video only. And so they, they get that video teaching on Thursday, and then I, whoever is preaching live in their location uh, on the weekend. Um, and so I preached this sermon already on Thursday in front of three people uh, in, in, the, in the little, it's a closet, but we call it a studio. Uh, and it started a conversation. All of them in there happened to be raised by Christian families, and all of them were, were spanked, uh, but not all of them, uh, but, but some of them it was abusive. And they feel they have a disadvantage because of that. And I, yeah, it is, and I, I get that. Some of us had phenomenal parents. Others had abusive parents. What I want to do uh, before I wrap it up is to share some examples of unhealthy parenting and to share some principles that will, if, if you find yourself as an unhealthy parent, here are three guiding principles that will help you as a parent uh, get back in your lane. And Because all of this is to give our, all of us want our kids to be successful, right? Uh, but I, I hope you define success in biblical godly ways. Because your kid can make a lot of money and still be a horrible human being. Am I right? Yes or no? We work for them. Oh. <laughs> uh, the first kind of unhealthy parent is a lifeguard parent, different from a helicopter parent. A lifeguard parent, their job is to make sure never, their kids never suffer any consequences for any of their kids' bad behavior. You know you're the, heli you're the lifeguard parent when your kids get in trouble at school and you call the school and set up an appointment with the teacher to scream at them. You're a horrible parent. Sorry, that's bad parenting. Oh, we got some teachers in the house today. Preach! Hey, everybody say amen. amen. I knew if I got in trouble at school, I got in trouble where? At home. Heck, yeah. Yeah, I had, appropriate, I had appropriate view of authority, both in the home and out of the home. And that helped me as a kid when I left the home. Um, yeah. As a senior, and my dad was on the board for the private school I went to, and uh, my dad had to make a tough decision to fire uh, one of the, uh, the, the music teacher at the school for unethical, horribly inappropriate behavior. Her husband, though, was my football coach and was also my English comp teacher. And you have to have English comp as a senior to graduate, and he knew that. Uh, and in my final, he gave me a 54. Um, see, that was a oh, horrible teacher. You'll know what I got. Oh, I, got I might have deserved a 54. So if I deserve a 54, my dad will let me flunk my senior year if that's what I deserve, right? So, um, uh, but I looked at Pete Miles' test. Pete Miles got a 96. And based on, and by the way, it wasn't even an essay. It was like, it was like just like, 
there were, uh, there were actual, like, objective right and wrong answers for every question. So I looked at all the questions Pete got right, and then I looked at all those same questions on mine, and a lot of those he marked wrong. So if, if he had just graded my test the same as he had graded Peter, I would have gotten an 88. So I went to my dad, and I knew that, I, I knew that my dad had had to fire his wife. Um, and you know, there are rumors in the student body. My dad didn't confide in me stuff that wasn't any of my business to know. But I, I knew the rumors, and you know, I don't know what was true and what was not, but I, I knew he didn't like my dad. And so I went to my dad, who can fire him too. And I went, look, because Pete let me have his test to take home to show my dad. I should have gotten an 88. Like, you need to go talk to him. And my dad said, no. You need to go talk to him. Matthew 18, if you have a problem with another person, and he, now my dad's preaching at me. He shows me in the Bible. Matthew 18, if you have a problem with another person, you need to go meet with them first, privately, to resolve the conflict. So I had to set up an appointment with a teacher who I hated, who hated my guts. And then he put it off for like another day or two, so I had anxiety for two days. Like, I was on heart pills and everything. <laughs> Not really, it was weed. Um, I'm just kidding, that's inappropriate. I, that's, see, that's an inappropriate joke. I wanted to be funny. I, I didn't. I, I didn't. It was, it was heart pills. Actually, crap, I need to stop making jokes. I just had anxiety for the next two days. And then, I, then I, I had to go confront him. And I hated doing that. And my dad could have rescued me from that. But my dad would have enabled me, not equipped me, if he had. Right? So he gave me back the test, and now it's like a 60-something. And I went to my dad and went, look. And I said, you need to fire him. And my dad goes, no, now you need Matthew 18. If it doesn't get resolved, go to somebody that you both mutually respect and see if it gets resolved. In it. You need to set up an appointment with the academic dean. So I said, crap. I go to the academic dean. Now, my dad could have made my whole problem go away just by firing that jerk. <laughs> right? Um, but that would have been inappropriate. That would have been bad parenting. So I went to the teacher, the academic dean, who I gave him both Pete's test and my test, who met with Mr. Pewter and then sat down and gave it back to me. It was like 70-something. And I went to my dad and was like, Look! I was supposed to get an 88. And then, he, and then he went back again and said, you need, now you need to set up an appointment with Mr. Pewter and the academic dean. And I did. And so it ended up being this like three-week drawn-out process that caused all kinds of anxiety that my dad could have kept me from, but he also would have. Right. So um, now I'm an adult. You know, you, you've got something that you're better at than most people, right? Like everybody's got one thing that you're really good at that you bring to the table in any place that you work or any other relationship. Like my special skill, and I'm not perfect at it, neither are you at your, at your special skill, but my special skill is conflict resolution. I'm really good at healthy conflict resolution, which is an advantage in my marriage, it's an advantage with my kids, it's an advantage on our staff, it's an advantage, it's, it's just, a, it's a huge advantage. Where did I get that? I got that from the way my dad parented me in, the, in, the, in, in 12th grade. Because my dad didn't rescue me from my problem. You know you're an unhealthy parent if your kid's science project is due tomorrow and it's Sunday and you stay up all night doing it while your kid goes to bed. That's bad parenting. Like, it's okay if your kid fails a science test. Because, right, but don't just, like, leave them on their own. Now coach them through how to go meet with that teacher to get makeup homework. You see what I'm saying? Like, walk your kid through this and coach them. Don't rescue them from the problem. Walk with them through the problem. 
That's the healthier way to parent. The second thing I want to share with you is the Etch-a-Sketch parents. It's bad parenting. Etch-a-Sketch, anybody remember Etch-a-Sketch? Raise your hand if you remember Etch-a-Sketch. It's the red little tablet with the white knobs, right? It's a caveman iPad. <laughs> and then when you're done making a stair, because that's all anybody can make on that thing is stairs, right? Like, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left. That's how you make a beautiful... Anyway, the Etch-a-Sketch parents make boundaries and then they turn them upside down and they erase them. And because they get in trouble sometimes, but not all the time, the kids have no... like you're, you're creating insecurity in your children because the boundaries are constantly moving. They're always moving. So they don't know when they're going to... Truthfully, the lesson that they're learning is just don't get caught. That's the lesson you're teaching them. Because half the time they get caught, nothing happens the other time. So maybe the lesson that they're learning is just don't tick mom and dad off. That's not the lesson I want my kids to get. The lesson isn't don't make me mad. The lesson is don't, be, don't misbehave. So you and the spouse, and listen, if you're, and this is the third thing is the divided parent, the divided parenting. Uh, you and your spouse need to agree on what the boundaries are, or you and their other parent need to, and this is really complicated if uh, you're divorced and they live, they don't live with both parents. That's a very tough thing. So if you're the parent that gets them on the weekend, I'm going to lean on you, and you're going to be uncomfortable with this, but I'm going to ask you to defer to the parent that has the most of the time. Now, where this is really difficult is if one parent's a Christian and the other parent is not, and so your values are wildly, extremely different. And, and I think that that becomes more of a problem when they reach their adolescent years. And when it comes to that, if I can share with you one more thing as it relates to this, is that you're going to parent your kids differently as they grow up. There's four different hats you're going to put on as a parent. The first hat from zero to seven is the disciplinarian. I don't have to explain everything to you. Don't do that. Now there's consequences for this because there's consequences for bad behavior. So I'm going to explain it to my children. And, and, I, and I know that the, the, the discipline is different for a two-year-old than it is a four-year-old. And the conversations are different. I've had kids. I, I get all of that. But what I'm saying is that the rules were consistent. If my kids broke the rules, there was a consequence. I engaged them. I didn't just like, I'm tired. And listen, I think that's the hardest thing about parenting. This is so freaking exhausting. Can I get an amen on that? Because they're always breaking the rules. And so you're always having to engage them. Right? But you just, you'd stay in the stinking game. I know you're tired. Call a timeout. Right? Tag team. Get out of the ropes. Let, the, let your tag team partner come in and body slam them for a minute. Right? And get a break or water, you know, but you, you, you don't stop engaging. So from zero to seven, you're a disciplinarian. From seven to 13, you're training. It's a different hat. The trainer is going, not like this, like this. Come back in and say, please. Come back in and say, you didn't say thank you. Come back. No, say thank you. Like it's the training part. We're not, if you discipline well from zero to seven, you don't have to discipline as much. And by the way, if you don't start discipline until they're older, that's, be very careful how you do that. Definitely, like that's, don't bring, out the, don't bring out the spanking thing if that's... I'm talking to new parents. We're not talking about introducing this, I think, at that point. And, and, but discipline zero to seven. You're training. And that's like, no, not like this, like this. Like this, not like that, right? Like your, your training is what you're doing from seven to 13. From 13 to 20, your coach. Coach is calling a timeout before the game starts. He calls the huddle. He brings everybody in and says, okay, now on Friday night, you're going to go over to that girl's house for that party, right? And we're go I'm going to talk to you about the play we're going to run. 
If they start drinking, what are you going to do? I'm going to text you. And what, do you, what am I going to do? You're going to call me and make up some excuse to come, for me to come home. And I said, right. We're going to tag team this. And you can tell your friends anything you want about why I'm coming to pick them up to save face. I get that. It's a horribly awkward thing. But you're going to do this. And the reason why you're going to do this is because when you show me that I can trust you when you go out, then you're going to be able to go out more often. Like, and then like, you catch your kids lying. And you say, here's the problem with lying. Here's the other thing that happens in that, that 10 to 14 year thing is the rules they noticed started changing. So now they're wanting to know how many other rules change. I'll give you an example. They used to have to hold your hand when they crossed the street. But now at 10, you don't make them do do that anymore. You weren't thinking about, I don't need to make them do this anymore. You just stopped doing it. The very first time they crossed the street, though, and weren't holding your hand, they remember that day. You don't remember that day, but they were like, oh, my word, I didn't even get in trouble for that. Now they're crossing the street all the time, and they don't get in trouble, right? Like there's other curfew or bedtime used to be 7.30. Now you're letting them stay up to 9 o'clock, and the first time you let them stay up to 9 o'clock, trust me, they knew you weren't paying attention. And you just didn't even notice. But now they never have to go to bed at 7.30. So in adolescence, their, their brain, as it goes from concrete to abstract, starts pushing on all the boundaries. Your kid's not being rebellious. Your kid's being normal. They're pushing on all the boundaries because some of them move. They just want to see which ones don't, right? So you and their parent, their other parent, need to decide which boundaries don't move. And as they go through adolescence, you just need to explain the reasons why. And the better you are explaining the values behind your boundaries that don't move, the more likely your kids are to adopt those boundaries for themselves. The other thing that happens during adolescence is they start reflecting your family's values off of other trusted adults, which is the reason why I value our student ministry so much. Because my kids, the coaches, excuse me, the adults that they were closest to were their coaches and their youth pastor. And I wanted other Christians who shared my values in my kid's life because I knew when my kids got into adolescence, they would be bouncing our values off of other trusted adults. And I wanted those other trusted adults to reflect those values back to my kids also. So the better my reasoning for the boundaries and the more other trusted adults that share those boundaries, the more likely my kids are to have those boundaries also. And then after the play, after the party, they come home. I'm calling another timeout, huddle time. I'm a coach now. It's 13 to 20. How did it go? Who was there? What did you guys do? What movie did you guys watch? And all I'm doing is I'm just asking for the plays, right? Like, how did the play go? Well, could we do better next time, right? Was anybody a jerk? Like, so who, who do you connect with the most, right? I'm looking for appropriate teammates to match them up with to run more plays, right? And then when they're 20 to, to, and, and, and above, you become a mentor and friend. I think some of the problem is you guys are trying to be friends with eight-year-olds. Your eight-year-old doesn't need you to be their friend. They need you to be their mommy, and you're the person of authority, and you need to behave like it. And you need to set a godly example for your kids. I think maybe that's part of the problem, is that we aren't the kind of person we want our kids to grow up to be. Right? I'm raising my kid at 15 not to be happy. Listen, I don't need my 15-year-old to be happy with me. I want my 25-year-old to respect me and to be thankful. Right? So I'm not trying to make a 16-year-old happy. But when that 16-year-old turns 26, I want them to come up and say, I've seen how my other friends turned out. Thank you. I want them to respect me at 26, whether they like me at 16 or not. I'm running out of time. The last thing is the divided parents, which I've already hit on. The single greatest thing uh, that you can do, I think, for your kid's future is to find agreement with their other parent in the present. And I'm going to give you those three principles by way of closing. I've got verses for these. I, I'm sorry. Uh, there'll be so you guys who are in life groups you're going to get some of these verses uh, one is expect first time and cheerful obedience 
Galatians chapter 3, uh, Colossians 3.20, children always obey your parents. How often do kids obey their parents? Colossians 3.20, children always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. How often should kids obey their parents? Everybody together, how often should kids obey their parents? Always. So immediately address the problem. Immediately address the problem. Uh, and expect cheerful obedience uh, because their heart is more important than their actions. You'll fight with your kid. You're screaming. You're both swearing at each other. You're telling them to go to their room. And finally you win because they walked into the room and slammed it. Bro, you didn't win. You freaking lost. The battle is for their heart, not their actions. So we'll actually discipline more for the attitude than we do even the actions. You've got to engage your ba their behavior uh, and, and the heart. Uh, which requires that I'm a good example of a, of a, of a healthy attitude myself. Um, the second thing, so number one principle is we expect immediate and cheerful obedience. The second thing is never discipline in anger. Even if you're not spanking, if you're screaming at your kid in anger, that's abuse. It's abusive. Don't discipline in anger. Some of you, honestly, the best thing that you can do for your relationship with your kid right now, and some of you, your kids have already left the home. You need to call your kids up. And say, listen, I want you to know that there's a period of your childhood where I was not the person that I am now, and I owe you an apology. Will you please forgive me? If you called your adult child and asked for their forgiveness, do you think that would help or hurt? You see what I'm saying? Like, they, they know you're not the same person, but they're still carrying wounds that you inflicted. Give them a freaking Band-Aid. Call them and say you're sorry. Right? Never discipline in anger, ever. I don't care if it's a timeout. However you and their parent decide to do discipline, don't do it in anger. You're wrong. It's sin. Scripture says this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, and don't let sin, and don't sin by letting anger control you. That's the problem with anger, is you're doing what feels right in the moment that's going to release your anger. Now what's best for them? Discipline is not something you do to a kid. It's something you do for your kid. And you can't do anything for them when you're ticked. Right? So you control yourself before you ever try to control them. That's abuse. Uh, 4.29 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and, and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's the spirit behind helping your kid grow up to become godly people. Uh, man, there's a lot of other stuff. I, I don't have time for it. The last thing is discipline promptly. Uh, with instruction and reconciliation. Discipline immediately uh, with instruction and reconciliation. Uh, don't, like, uh, later on tonight, you're going to be getting in trouble. You just created, Mike, listen, I did something wrong. Go to your room. Like, it's happening now. Like, we're not, like, delaying this. There ain't no emotional trauma. Go sit on your bed. I'll be in there when I can get a hold of myself. My dad would come in. Do you know what you did wrong? Do you know I love you? Right? Like, I was able to sit down with my daughter uh, when she started dating at, at 15, 16. I said, listen, your mom and I, we don't want you to be sexually active uh, because of what the Bible has to say, Ephesians chapter 5. You as a girl are a picture of the bride, Jesus, the, the, the church, the bride of Christ. And you know, if you're a guy, you're a picture of Jesus uh, in, your, in your sexuality, which is the reason why sex is such a big deal to God. Is so I, how I behave as a guy is a picture of Jesus and his fidelity to, to the church. And how a woman behaves sexually is a, is a picture of the church and their fidelity to Jesus. That's what the scripture says. My daughter knew this already. And I said, but what I want you to know is this, um, is that God forbid, if, if you do get pregnant, I don't want you to hide that from us. I'm going to love you no matter what. I don't care what you do. I, I've told each one of my kids, if you ever like robbed a bank and stabbed somebody in the head, 
They're like, Dad, you're ridiculous. I say, I would still love you. Like, I have got your back for life, right? But sometimes having their back is just pointing out the wrong too, right? But I've told my daughter, God forbid if you get pregnant, let us know. Like, tell us. We will help you raise that baby. And I don't want you to be sexually active. But if you do and that happens, we got you, right? So there's correction. There's healthy conversations. There's discipline. But there's also instruction and reconciliation. Even when I was a small kid, when I was getting spankings as a small kid, my dad would say, what's the best way to make sure that you never get a spanking for hitting your brother again? Like there's instruction. And then he would hug me and he would say, I love you. All right, let's go downstairs and play. And there's reconciliation. I experienced grace in all of this, that there's sin. There's a consequence for sin. But when repentance or when that sin is paid for, there's reconciliation and wholeness brought to that relationship again. And the benefit of that, all of this, healthy, godly discipline in the home, is that when my daughter was 10 and she asked, Garrett asked, uh, why, did, why did Jesus have to die on the cross for us? Lauren asked, why did Jesus have to die for us? Uh, both of them tough questions. I said, ask your mama. But Lauren, uh, Lauren said, I, I said to Lauren, I said, because when we sin against God, there's a consequence for sin. I'm using language she's already heard from when she was disciplined as a child, that there's consequences for sin, right? Uh, and then that, those consequences, those, the sin has to be paid for because God is good. And good judges don't let bad people go free. Like your crime has to be paid for. I said, so Jesus died on the cross so that we wouldn't have to pay for our own sin. And then my daughter is a 10-year-old. She's not getting spankings anymore. We're in the training stage, not the discipline stage. Lauren goes, oh, so what you mean is that Jesus got my spanking from God so that I wouldn't have to be spanked from God. I was like, yes, you get it. Like that's, that's why discipline matters. It's because our kids' hearts matter. Sin matters and repentance matters and forgiveness and grace and reconciliation. All of these things you model Every time your kids step out of line, and you seem to do it in a way that God does it with us. Because God is the dad. He is the heavenly father. You didn't get when you were growing up. And I'm sorry for that. But you can get from God what you never got from your dad. And that's reconciliation and forgiveness. You can get that right now. Or if you're a parent, you can offer it right now. If you're a kid and you have a horrible relationship with one of your parents, you can seek that right now. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful that you are our heavenly Father. Our Father who art in heaven, who loves us more than anyone else will ever be able to love us, who has forgiven us for every horrible thing we've ever done, who reconciles us into a healthy relationship with you who disciplines us because the Lord disciplines those he loves, who brings us to a place of repentance so that we can be restored. Help us, dear God in heaven, as parents, to be a good picture to our children of the kind of father that you want to be to our children. Help them to think of our heavenly father as a good word because the way that we treat them. God, help the dads in this room to be engaged with their children, to Figure out a way to appropriately and in a healthy way discipline their children. Whichever stage our kids are in, whether they're 0 to 7, 7 to 13, 13 to 20, or 20 and on, 
Help us to step into whatever role and whatever hat we need to wear based on where our kids are actually at right now. Help us to get back in the game. God, I pray for all of our kids to grow up and become godly and help our home environment to be the healthiest place for that to happen. Help us to condition them, God, to understand sin and repentance and, 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 and restoration and grace and, 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 and love. And God, help, help our homes to be that kind of a place for them. Help us to be better parents. For those of us in here, God, who need counseling, I pray that we would seek counseling. For those of us who need to be reconciled to others, help us to seek reconciliation with others. For those of us who need to ask forgiveness from people that we've hurt, I pray that we would do that also, even if it's our own kids. In the name of Jesus, we ask this, and we all pray and say together, amen.